You'll turn with your Bibles this morning to the fifth chapter of Ephesians as we continue our study in this uh, rich book of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to pick up this morning in verse 6 and read through verse 10. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10 this morning. As I read, let us remember this is the Word of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for this opportunity to be together, uh, to sing and to pray and to read your word. We thank you for fellowship that we shared before the service, the fellowship we share together after the service. And we, we thank you now especially for a time together as a congregation in your word, and we ask your blessing upon it. We, we thank you that we have it. And we know that it is uh, the solid rock upon which we can build our lives, our homes, our church. We pray that it would be that for us today. I pray as we look at this particular passage that you would be our guide and our help. That you would be our teacher. That you would illumine our minds and our hearts to be able to see and understand and grasp. and, And yes, even apply the truth of your word to our hearts and to our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're, we're in a section of Ephesians where Paul is teaching about the difference that saving faith makes in the life of a believer. It is a fundamental truth, but, but the new birth brings about new life. And the opposite is just as true. That if you don't experience or haven't experienced new life, then... You have to question if indeed you've experienced that new birth. That that gets to the very heart of the gospel, doesn't it? The good news of the gospel is that it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And that power is life-changing. And so if we don't see any change, if there's not any difference, then we have to question if we've experienced the power of the gospel in our own lives. And so as we saw last week, this section of Ephesians ought to lead us to do some serious soul-searching and self-evaluation. I concluded my sermon last Lord's Day by looking at a verse from 2 Corinthians 13, it's verse 5, where Paul says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. You see, the gospel applies to every area of life, to what we think, to what we say, to what we do, to our thoughts, to our words, and to our actions. And the gospel, the power of the gospel, is to make a difference in each of those areas of our lives. Now, last week, the specific application that we saw in verses 3 through 5 was to the area of immorality, Impurity, 
Paul calls filthiness and coarse jesting. And we saw in verses 3 through 5 that those things do not fit in the life of a believer. They're out of place. Uh, They're not proper. And, And so they must not even be named or identified among the people of God. Well, in our text this morning, uh, Paul follows up on that, and he brings us away from the negative, takes us to the positive, away from what we should not do, to focus now more upon what we should do, in terms of uh, especially shining the bright light of Christ through our lives, wherever we may be. So, a couple of things to look at in our text this morning. First, we see there's a warning in verses 6 and 7. And that warning has two parts. The first part is in the first part of verse 6 where he says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Now it's clear Paul gives that warning because deception is a real danger. It's real easy for believers to be deceived by false teaching. You'd be led astray from the truth, especially by a culture that teaches something contrary to what God's word says says. Uh, Again, Paul's just been talking about these sins of immorality. And we live in a culture that literally shouts at us that those sins are no big deal. You know, the world deceives us. Deceives us into thinking that we can play with fire and not get burned. That the biblical teaching on sexual morality is outdated and old-fashioned. That the sacredness of the marriage relationship is antiquated. The Bible says, don't listen to that. Don't be deceived by what the world says. But understand that what God tells us is true. The reality is that those sins, and Paul is kind of building on what he said last week, those sins are so heinous, sins of immorality, that they make God angry. Into verse 6, for it's because of these things, he says, the wrath of God will come on the sons of disobedience. So this is a serious business. And so Paul tells us, do not let anyone deceive you with empty words that have no real meaning. And then the other part of the warning is found in verse 7, where he says again, therefore do not be partakers with them. Again, the life of a Christian is to be different. There's to be a difference in the way you live as a believer and the way that unbelievers live. We're not to partake in the same lifestyle in which they engage. And so the word therefore, at the first part of verse 7, is important. It's because these sins make God angry. It's because they tarnish and soil what God has declared to be holy. They were to avoid them at all costs and not participate, as he says, in the things in which they partake. Well, that brings us to the second point, and and that's the positive explanation of why our lives are to be so different. The Bible isn't just focused on the negative. It also focuses on the positive. It doesn't just tell us what not to do. It also tells us what we are to do. And the positive encouragement that Paul gives us here is that we're to be the light of Christ wherever we are. Notice the contrast that's given in verse 8 between the darkness 
and the light. He says in verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This whole motif of, of darkness and light is very important in the Bible. John tells us in 1 John uh, chapter 1 that, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. God is light. And so if we go back to the first verse of this chapter where uh, Paul admonishes us to be imitators of God, what does that mean for us? It means that we walk more in the light and less in the darkness. If we're going to be imitators of God, we've got to be people who live in the light of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And so we had that contrast placed for us there in verse 8. But I want you to notice how strongly uh, Paul states that contrast. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Uh, you were formerly, he says, it's not you were darkness, but you were formerly at a different time in your life, in the past, something that now is, is beyond you. You formerly were in the darkness, but now he says you are light in the Lord. See, darkness describes the life of an unbeliever. Proverbs 4 tells us the way of the wicked is darkness. Ecclesiastes tells us fools walk in darkness. And John tells us men love the darkness rather than the light. The contrast is clear in verse 8. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were something different, but now you are completely different. You were darkness, but now he says you are light. Therefore, he says, you are to walk in the light. But now I want you to notice, he didn't say in verse 8 that you used to live in the, in the, in the darkness or so live in the light, or you uh, walked in the darkness, so now walk in the light. He says, no, you were darkness. You were darkness. And now, you are light. See, it gets at the area of what we know as ontology or the, the essence of our being. What are we as, as believers? We are. We are light. We are light. It is who we are. And by contrast, again, unbelievers are darkness. That is who they are. In fact, the Bible says that unbelievers are so deep in the darkness. They can't even see the light. If you'll turn with me to second have your Bible, Second Corinthians chapter four. And if you look at verse four, Second Corinthians chapter four. Verse four it says this The God of this world, that's the evil one, the devil, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God and then you drop down to verse 6 you find again the contrast for God who said let light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ now if you go back to Ephesians chapter 5 and you have the new American standard like I do you'll notice that the word light 
in verse 8 is capitalized. Now, I looked at several different translations. The only translation I see that capitalizes the word light. You might wonder, why in the world would they capitalize the word light in that particular verse? And it's because the only light that you and I have is the light of Christ. The Bible calls Jesus the true light. He is called the light of men. Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. And so the light that you are and the light that I am, the light that you have and the light that I have is not any light that we produce on our own, but it is only the light of Christ. And that's why in my particular translation, the word light there is capitalized. It refers to the light of of Christ. You know, there's a, an old gospel hymn that we've sung before, and it says, The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. And that's the way the Bible presents it. The world was lost in the darkness of sin, created by the fall of man into sin. Darkness pervaded Man, And yet, into that darkness, the Lord Jesus came, shining the brightness of the light of His glory to dispel the darkness around us. And now the Bible says, you and I, as believers, don't just live in that darkness, or live in that light, but we are that light ourselves. And then at the end of verse 8, there's a powerful exhortation. Where he says, walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. As we've seen before, when the Bible tells us how to walk, it's telling us how to live. The way you walk describes the pattern of your life. And here, Paul is telling us we're to to live as children of light. Now, we just saw we are light. Here he says we're to live in the light. And so we really is saying, live out what you are. Show to the world the real essence of what you are as a new creature in Christ, as the light of Christ. You know, Jesus makes a, an amazing connection, really, between himself and his people. I made reference a moment ago. Uh, we have the seven I am's of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And one of those is, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5 with me for just a second. Which is uh, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then look at verse 14 of Matthew 5 where he says, You, you are the light of the world. Then he goes on down in verse 16 and says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
You see, not only is Jesus the light of the world, now he has given us that light. And now he says, you, you are the light of the world. And therefore, we are to let our light shine in the darkness of the world around us. They might see the light of Christ in us. Go with me also to 1 John chapter 1. You see, walking in in the light, living in the light, is an essential part of being a believer. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7, we see this. This This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. You see, those of us who claim to know Christ, who uh, claim to have been born again, who say we have fellowship with Christ, ought not any longer to walk in the darkness. But rather we are to walk in the light and we're to be the light of the world let our light shine in the world around us now in case we didn't know what that light was or what it produced Paul tells us in verse 9 he defines it for us where he says for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth and so if you wonder am I really living in the light, am I really letting my light shine? There's the definition for you. Am I living in goodness? Am I, am I doing what is good in my relationship with other people? Am I walking in righteousness, making right decisions as I live my life before God? And am I living in the truth, allowing my life to be dictated by what God's Word tells me? I want to look at each of those three things quite briefly this morning. The the fruit of the light, he says, is goodness. And the root word of goodness, of course, is simply the word good, which means if we're going to live in the light, folks, we've got to do what's good. Now, there are several words in the Greek that are translated good. This particular word uh, for good uh, reflects moral excellence, kind of the highest standard of good. And so this kind of goodness is is dealing with people in terms of trying to do what is best and right for them. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, another place this particular word for good is used. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse 15, we find this. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So this is not just doing what is good, but it is doing what accomplishes good in the life of someone else. And so the question to ask 
as you're considering whether or not you're living in the light is will this be for someone else's good will this benefit them will this encourage them help them edify them or bless them that's the kind of goodness that reflects the light of Christ then he goes on to say that the fruit of the light is righteousness now the goodness as you can tell has to do with our relationship with other people where righteousness has to do more with our relationship with God the way I like to put it is uh, goodness has to do with our relationships on the horizontal level righteousness has to do with our relationship with God on the vertical level righteousness is how you and I as sinful people can be right or have a relationship with a holy God you know as an act of God's mercy and grace God declares you and me to be righteous in his sight that has nothing to do with your goodness has nothing to do with your good works has nothing to do with your own self-righteousness the Bible tells us of course that the best righteousness that you and I can muster is nothing better than a pile of filthy rags from which we want to turn our head God in his grace takes the righteousness of his son and he literally clothes us in that righteousness so that now when, when God looks at us he no longer sees us in our sin but he sees us in his son in the righteousness of his son and that way he can accept us and embrace us and have a relationship with us that's what we know as justification being declared righteous in the eyes of God but righteousness or or justification always leads to sanctification what that means is the way I like to put it is that believers once we've been declared righteous in God's eyes want to make true in reality what God has declared to be true in principle God has said you're righteous not based on anything you are or have done but only on the righteousness of Christ I impute his righteousness to you it is yours then you take that and say well I want to live like that I want to reflect that righteousness of Christ in the way that I live my life. And so the question that we need to ask is, if we're going to show the light of Christ, is does this reflect the righteousness of Christ? Well, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, where I'm about to go, will that reflect what God has declared to be true about me in principle? Will it reflect the holiness of the Lord Jesus? And then he also says that living in the light means we we walk in the truth. The truth. The truth. We believe this is the truth of God. And so living in the light of Christ means living in in the light of his word. Living honestly, with integrity before the people as we seek to live out the principles that God gives us in his word. And so the question to ask is, is my life consistent 
with the teaching of God's Word. Am I being honest? Am I living consistently with my profession of faith if I do this particular thing? Will this build trust? How will my conscience deal with what I'm about to do? And then, as we close in verse 10, there's a stated goal where he says, We're trying through this to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, if you want to sum up what it means to to be the light of Christ or to walk in the light, that's it. It's simply to have a desire in your heart to please God with all that you think, say, and do. Again, that is the ultimate goal of a believer, isn't it? We want to please God. We want our lives to be pleasing to Him. You might remember when Solomon was given the opportunity to ask for whatever he wanted to ask. And God would give it to him. He asked for a a wise and understanding heart. And the Bible says that Solomon's request was pleasing to the Lord. Jesus said of himself, I always do the things that are pleasing to my Father. And, And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore we have as our ambition to be pleasing to the Lord. That is the ambition. That's the goal of a believer. To be pleasing to the Lord, and we do that by being the light and showing the light of Christ. Well, this is Mother's Day. Can't let Mother's Day go without one little word of application to the women here today. It's simply this. Let that be your goal. Make that be your ambition. Strive above all else to live in a way that that pleases the Lord. Let's your light shine. You know, our culture pulls you in many, many different directions. Our, Our culture tells you that fulfillment as a woman is far different than what the Bible describes for you. It might be too much of an emphasis on being physically attractive. It might be on the importance of the externals of expensive clothes and jewelry. It might be financial independence. It might be liberation from the biblical guidelines for a godly wife or mother. Resist those temptations. Don't let the world press you into its mold and therefore snuff out the light of Christ in your life. And so my encouragement to you today is, is simply to let your light shine. Let the light of Christ shine brightly through your life. You are that light. That is your identity. As a, as a Christian woman, that is who you are. It doesn't matter what the world says. You are the light of Christ. And so wherever God has placed you, let that light shine. And let it shine in all the relationships that you have with your husband, your children, with your in-laws, with your grandchildren, with your neighbors, co-workers, fellow church members. Let your light shine in every situation. Now you men thought you were going to get off the hood of this Mother's Day. I just applied to the women because 
It is Mother's Day. If it was Father's Day, I'd apply it to you. You know this text applies to all of us. If you're a believing man this morning, if you've been born again by the Holy Spirit, you are trusting in Christ alone for salvation, then you too are the light of Christ. You are light in the Lord. So live like it, men. Live out the gospel every day. Make it your ambition, as Paul says, to be pleasing to the Lord. And do not allow anything in the world, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of prestige, the pursuit of pleasure or things, in any way diminish the light of Christ in your life. The light of Christ. I'm sure many of you grew up singing as I did little song. This little light of mine. This little light of mine. Come on, Presbyterians, you can do this. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. May that be our prayer and our ambition. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true and real. And we pray that today it might have an impact upon our hearts and our lives as we seek to be what you've declared us to be, light in a dark world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.